Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church, an outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. How many people know faith doesn't throw out common sense? Faith doesn't throw out doctors. Faith doesn't throw out good hygiene. Faith doesn't do that. Some people have the idea that faith throws all those things out. You know, you got people, they walk in all kinds of extremes. It's not spiritual. It's emotional. It's just an emotional response to things. So you have, you know, you have two extremes. You got people that... You know, they rise up and say, bless God, by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. And they take their glasses off, step on them and crush them, jump in their car, drive half blind at 100 miles an hour down the road, shouting, I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. And then we don't hear from them ever again. <laughs> you know, I feel that's an extreme. Right? That's an extreme. But people do, people do stuff like that. The Bible says we believe we receive. Faith believes it receives. And then it says it will have. Right? Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them. When? When you pray. Believe that you receive them and you will have them. So sometimes there's a walking out that will have them. That having them. Having them and believing you receive can be two totally different things. Well, they are two totally different things, actually. So you can believe you receive, know that you got it in your heart, but then you have to walk it out. You don't just do something erratic. Now, if the Spirit of God directs you to do something, step out of the boat, walk on the water, that's fine. But unless you have a direct word from God to do something like that, we don't do stuff like that. You use common sense. Use common sense. So, uh, so we, but then there's the other extreme too where people get into fear. They go into hibernation for the winter months. They disconnect their phone. They get off social media. They just run from everybody and they just lock down, just lock down. Walk around with a mask, with a hood, with a rubber suit, you know, the whole thing. I mean, there's all kinds of extremes and people usually err on in, on one side of the ditch or the, or the other. Let's, we want to be right down the middle of the road. We want to be balanced believers. Can you say amen? So we are not in fear about a virus. How many people know we have a covenant with God, and by his stripes we're healed? And how many people know not everybody walks in the same level of faith when it comes to healing? So you want to protect people. And the big thing is you, that folks have to watch out for is that Words are seeds, and the devil will use the seed in order to create symptoms in your body. Seeds in the mind can create symptoms in your body. I mean, I've been in situations where I'm talking to somebody, and they said they had something, or, you know, you're on an airplane, and they said, you know, somebody had something, and as they're telling you, all of a sudden, your, your, your throat starts scratching. How do you know what I'm talking about? How do you know the devil comes immediately? Not only to steal God's word, but to try to perform another word. To try to bring another word to pass. He's watch, you know, God's watching over his word to perform it. And the devil's watching over all these other words to perform them. So you do have to watch a, about that. That when words, when you hear words that, oh, somebody had the coronavirus and I was near them. <gasps> that's what this is. 
And then next thing you start yielding and succumbing to all kinds of fear, which can create all kinds of symptoms in your body. Lying symptoms. Has anybody had a lying symptom? I mean, it just wasn't even reality. I mean, we've had people go to doctors and been examined and everything else, and there's nothing. This is nothing. But yet these symptoms keep persisting. Sometimes that's just purely demonic. Sometimes it's just the devil. And you got to resist him. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and in verse 16, it says, But thanks be to God who puts the same earnest care for you into the heart of Titus. For he not only accepted the exhortation, but being more diligent. Never say diligent. He went to you of his own accord. And we have sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches. So these are people that have a great reputation all throughout the churches. Great, great people. Verse 19. And not only that, but who was also chosen by the churches to travel with us with this gift, which is administered by us to the glory of the Lord himself and to show your ready mind, avoiding this, that anyone should blame us in this lavish gift which is administered by us. So there was a, an offering or offerings that were collected on behalf of the church. And Paul here, who's writing this, is one of the men that is, has been entrusted to deliver this gift. And apparently, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. So he's mentioning the men that are accompanying him, men of impeccable reputation, men of integrity, men of godly character. He's making that point. Why? Obviously, to set the church at ease. And at the same time, God's using it to teach us or how we are to handle things. We are to handle things in a way that we cannot be blamed or accused of doing something wrong. That's how we're to live our life. That's how we're to conduct our business in this world. Very practical, very natural, but it's spiritual. It's the Word of God. It's God's way of doing things. He says, verse 21, providing honorable things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. So we're not just pleasing the Lord. We're not just doing something that's honorable in God's sight. But we are doing things that are honorable in men's sight. And that might mean having to do some things that maybe God isn't even requiring of you. But you need to do it because men require it of you. If you want to be honorable in their sight, there's some things you're going to have to do. We need to care about how we look in other people's sight. How else are we going to be effective ministers of the gospel? How else are we going to be effective at reaching the lost and helping the world? We need to become very attractive to the world. We don't need to look like we're reckless and careless. I mean, even thinking about speaking in tongues. You go over there to 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter. What does the Apostle Paul say? He says, if, if, he says, great, you're all speaking in tongues. I love that. He said, but if someone comes in who's an unbeliever or an uninformed person, in other words, they haven't been informed about speaking in tongues, they don't know anything about it. And all of you are just speaking in tongues. He says, will they not say that you're out of your mind? They'll accuse you for being out of your mind. So he's saying, be aware of who 
is in the sanctuary? Who's in the church? He's not saying don't pray in tongues in church. But he is saying beware of how you do it and be conscious of who is around you. Now again, we're not manipulated and controlled by people around us, but yet love does consider the people around them. And we just don't want to do things that are just obnoxious or confusing to them. What does Proverbs say? It say, he who rises early in the morning and blesses with a loud voice, it'll be counted a curse to him. So in other words, you walk in, and uh, your brother is sitting over there. Somebody's, you know, somebody's there, and you're just, man, you, just, you had your vitamins, and you drank a half a thing of orange juice, and you're just jacked up, man. Maybe you've been in prayer. You've been speaking in tongues for a couple hours. You come out, and, uh, you know, these people, they just got up, man. They're trying to figure out where the coffee maker is. <laughs> and you come walking in, Woo! Glory to God! Hallelujah! Huh? No, that's not going to be probably a blessing to him. It actually be considered possibly like a curse. Like, my Lord. Now, it should never be that way here at church. We should always come into the house of God ready. We should always come into the house of God ready to shout, ready to praise, ready to say amen, glory to be to God, hallelujah. Because I don't think you guys just rolled out of bed this morning. I think you've had some time to fellowship with the Lord. I think you've had some time to prepare yourself. So we need to become prepared so the praise and worship team should ever catch us off guard. We should, be, we should be ready to just flow with them. But you know what I'm talking about? Being considerate of the, oh, praise God, hallelujah. Well, you know, be considerate. Be considerate. You're not the only one in the room. That's, by, that's walking in love. And the Bible says if you walk in love, you fulfill all the law and all the commandments. How many people believe in walking in love? Yes. So we want, to, we want to provide what's honorable, providing honorable things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. And he goes on in verse 22, and we have sent with them our brother, whom we have often provide, who, who, have, who we have often pro- proved diligent in many things. Notice that proved diligent. In other words, they tested him. He was tested, and he was found diligent. He wasn't a slacker. He wasn't lazy. He wasn't uncaring. He wasn't, un- he wasn't selfish, all into himself. He was diligent. He was diligent. He had a, a spirit of excellence about him, and we tested him before we, before we trusted him with the finances. We tested him before we trusted him with this gift, that, uh, this offering that was given by the church for the church. But now much more diligent because of the great confidence which we have in you. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, uh, you know, we do have to watch, though, you know, when it comes to protocol and you think about, you know, staying at home, quarantining. You got, you got to watch out for that because people could have the idea that they're just supposed to lock themselves up in a room somewhere. You know, that could cause more problems for yourself physically. You know, and they say viruses are, are stronger and more contagious in the wintertime because people, what, don't go outside as much. Sometimes the best you could do, uh, sometimes, sometimes the best thing you could do if you have a fever is open the windows. 
Let the fresh air. Go outside. I didn't say run into a crowd of people and start kissing and hugging everybody. But get some fresh air. Breathe in some fresh air. Oh, it's so cold out. We'll go outside and get some air. Especially if you're not feeling good. Get some fresh air. Sometimes that's just a very natural thing you can do that can help you, that can assist you. So he says, what about your faith? Your faith should already be engaged, but that doesn't do away with doing some natural things as well. Again, we're not leaning on the natural. We're not leaning on our understanding. We're leaning on the Word of God. We're trusting in Him. But man, make sure you're not dehydrated. Make sure you're drinking water. Get your vitamin C. But now again, don't let those things become your Savior. Don't let those things become your healing. That's not my healing. You know, there was a while back, there was these little packets, these little vitamin C packets I, I would have I put in my drink. Well, one, one day, I started having these symptoms, you know, a little, little runny nose type thing, a little congestion. And so this thought came to me, and it was the devil. Now, I'd have these vitamin things, things. I was doing it every day, you know, just a little, little extra boost, no big deal. And, and, and also this thought comes to me, and the says, you better have one of those vitamin C drinks. I said, just for that, I'm not going to have one today. See, it tried to make it like it was a mandatory thing. I had to do it. In other words, my health was dependent on it. No, my health is not dependent on it. My health is dependent upon God. And in trusting God and following God, I may go ahead and have a little extra vitamin C. See what I'm saying? That's common sense. That's common sense. But you do have to watch because the devil will try to get you in a ditch one way or the other where that becomes your God. By his stripes I'm healed. But you're clinging to your vitamin C. You're clinging to this medication. You're clinging to everything the doctor said more than you're clinging to what God said. You know, right on the other hand, you got people clinging to what God said and they're not going to listen to anything a doctor says. I don't go to doctors. I don't listen to doctors. And then they go into that extreme over there. Well, what happens if God leads you to a doctor? So you never say never. Never say never. Never say never because you never know what the Lord might lead you to do. You might not, you might not know that someday this is what you might need to do in order to have your breakthrough. In order to see the, the fulfillment of the thing you're believing God concerning. Can you say amen? So never say never. Turn to somebody and tell them, say never say never. That's right. So faith, faith doesn't eliminate doctors and all these things. It, you know, again, we've got, we got to watch out for all the extremes that are out there. We want, to be, we want to be balanced believers. We want to have the natural and the spiritual. I mean, I had things come. You know, I'll get a scratchy throat, something like that. It just comes like, get out of here in Jesus' name. I don't get sore throats. And I mean, I, that, I mean, that usually is where it ends. It doesn't go further than that, usually. If it does, I just go a little extra further in what I say. But a lot of times, if you just jump on top of it right at the gate, you can crush that thing. But a lot of folks, they hesitate because they're not really in faith. They're just kind of, oh, 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 Google, oh, 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 And they try, they, and they go, by his stripes I'm healed. You're not in faith. Faith needs to be at the forefront. At this point, it should be a reaction. That's when faith really works for you. It's when it's a reaction. It's just, this is who you are. This is what you believe. You just take authority. Because if you really believe it, then this is what comes out. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when you're poked, this is what comes out of you. By his stripes, I'm healed. 
Christ redeemed me from the curse of the law in Jesus' name. Right? You just take authority right out. But if you don't take authority, and you, you, you go on and on doing all these other things. And then it's like, I probably should pray about this. You know, this could be the devil. Is that really in your heart? Is that really in your heart? No, it's still in your head. You got to get it down there where it's the overflow. Hallelujah. Faith needs to be the overflow. Faith is the overflow of the heart. That's what faith is. Faith is the overflow of the heart. So we need to be overflowing with the word. That's why we keep hearing and hearing and muttering and meditating and speaking the word of God because we want to live in the overflow of the word. We don't, want it, we don't want that to dry up and just become more and more carnally, naturally minded. So you have to watch out even when it comes to, you know, the election that's coming out. I mean, everything now is being so politicized. Everything. You can't watch a football game, a baseball game. There's no entertainment out there anymore, it seems, where there isn't some kind of political agenda, something political that's been injected into it. Or that actually dominates it. I mean political, political, political. If you don't watch, guess what's going to happen to you? You're going to be political, 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 political. And you're not going to be spiritual. You're going to dry up. You're going you're to disconnect from the word of God where you're not overflowing. Not disconnect to the point where you don't know the word of God. And you don't know you're supposed to be at church on Sunday. And, 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 and you wouldn't say by his stripes I'm healed or... No, no, you wouldn't do that, but you get to the place where that's not overflowing. What's overflowing is what you're hearing on the news. You react to that. Somebody pokes you politically. Ooh. Somebody takes out their political poker. And man, it just gets you going. Just gets you going. Man, uh, your, your, your politics, what you believe politically which is based mostly on what the news media's been telling you, not what God's been saying to you. That's just, just us begin to pour out of you. No, I didn't say it didn't agree with God. It might agree with God just fine, but that's not where you're getting the abundance of that information from. You're not getting it from God. You're getting it from other sources, usually unsaved, carnal, fleshy sources. Is that what you want to be filled with? Now, I believe in being informed. Again, I'm not saying throw the TV out, never watch the news, I'm not saying, again, go hibernate, disconnect from the world, have no knowledge of what's going on in the world. I didn't say that. That's an extreme. I didn't say that all the men in here should shave and have beards and get rid of their cars and rides around horse and buggy. Did I say that? No, but there are people that do that because it's extremes. They don't want to be worldly. What does it mean not to be worldly? That means get away from the world. Well, the only way you can get away from the world is you're going to have to leave the planet. But they, they take it as, oh, man, you know, don't have anything worldly. Don't have anything worldly. And so, you know, they want to go back to Abe Lincoln days. That's not being worldly. I don't know. I think it was pretty worldly probably back in Abe Lincoln's day, don't you think? I mean, that's when we had the Civil War. It's pretty, pretty rough time. People were pretty rough. So, uh, you know, again, we don't, we, don't, we don't get in ditches and cut all those things off, but we don't fill ourselves up with these things. We keep ourselves filled with the Word of God. Hallelujah. So we're informed. We're informed. We're not ignorant of natural things. 
But we're not overflowing with these natural things. We're overflowing with God into the natural things. We're overflowing with God into the things that we know. We're overflowing with God through the things that we have or that are available to us. We're not throwing them out. We're not living by them. We're flowing through them and we're utilizing them. But God is always at the forefront of our mind. What he says is what it's really all about. That's what our lives revolve around. Do you have that? We got to make sure we have that. Say, I revolve around God, around the Word. Hallelujah. While in this world. But notice what he said here in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 9. He says, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Well, I mean, if you're not supposed to be keeping company with them, then you probably shouldn't be committing it either. Right? I mean, if you're not supposed to keep company with them, how much more should you not be committing it? Verse 10. Yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortion, not even to eat with such a person. For what have I to do with judging those also who are outside? Do you not judge those who are inside, but those who are outside God judges? Therefore put away from yourselves that wicked person. So what's he saying here? He's saying, I'm not telling you when I'm telling you not being, you know, the Bible says do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. I'm not telling you to stay away from unbelievers. Because then you'd have to go out of the world. When he's saying don't have fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, he's not saying, man, don't talk to unsaved people. Stay away from unsaved. That's not what he's saying. He's saying don't enter into a deep fellowship and friendship with them. That's what he's talking about. Because they'll rub off you. He says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. So you you can't avoid it. Some people, they won't ever be able to make changes in their life until they change the company that they keep. It's as simple as that. They just will never, things will never change because of the company that they keep. Some people will never get free and never experience full change in their life until they change what they're watching, what they're filling themselves up with on television in the form of entertainment. Some people are not going to be able to experience full victory in their life so as long as they continue to live, listen to worldly, ungodly music. That's fellowshipping with the unfruitful works of darkness. You're enjoying and taking into this fellowship of darkness. You're having communion with the unsaved, which is having communion with their Lord, which is Satan, with demons. So we're not to be having fellowship with demons. We're not to be... Hey, you're my friend. We're on the same page. I'm receiving. I, I take in this entertainment. I take in the, the words of this music, and I love the way it makes me feel. Yeah, it's a sensual demon. And you're fellowshipping with it, and you're allowing that into your life. And don't be deceived. It's corrupting you. 
And you will not change until you take the axe and you cut those things off and say, I'm done with that relationship. I'm done with that connection. I'm all about getting free now. I don't know. Being free for me is what it's all about. I want to be free. And I want to be free, free indeed. Somebody say freedom. freedom. Praise God, I like freedom. So I'm not going to let some stupid thing over here. I'm not going to allow this unfruitful work of darkness come into my soul and fill me up and take, in, take control of me. You're not going to have my destiny. You're not going to have my life. I cut it off. I cut it off. Sometimes the problem, people think of the problem, isn't really the problem. It's these other problems. It's these other connectors that keep feeding the problem. So somebody say, no more problems for me. I'm disconnecting. That's it. Disconnect. Disconnect. Praise God forever. But he's not saying, go get a job in a Christian bookstore. That'd be tough to do these days anyway. Most of them are closed down. But, you know, people thought, oh, I work around... I work around these people and they curse all day. I just can't. I got, I'm, I'm believing God for another job. Why? Are you fellowshipping with them? No. Are you amen, amening them? No. Are you standing up and being a light? Are you laughing with them, laughing with their dirty jokes? No. Be a light. Be the salt of the earth, man. Get in there and be different. That's how we get people saved. That's how people have a fighting chance to come out of the kingdom of darkness. See? See, we're not going to be these hermits. We're not going to withdraw from the world and hide from everybody. That's, that's not what we do. But you see the extremes? You got extremes. You got some people over here that say, God is free. I'm free to drink. Free to smoke whatever. And free to do whatever. So, you know, they think freedom is, hey, I'm not under the law, dude. I'm not under the law, dude. No condemnation, dude. That's condemnation, dude. No, it's called, it's called sanctification. They think sanctification, a lot of people think today in the church world, that sanctification is condemnation. It's only condemnation if you refuse to do it. That's when it becomes condemnation. But sanctification is still a Bible word. It's still a Bible word, and it's still something that we're supposed to be implementing into our lives. We are to be sanctified unto the Lord. Holy even as he is holy. Right? That's not condemnation when you do it. It's freedom. I said it's freedom. That's freedom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the kind of freedom we're talking about. We're not talking about this freedom. I can just do whatever I want, say what I want, watch whatever I want. You know, everybody does it because I'm a Christian. God knows my heart. And when the real dirty scenes come on the, on the, on the, on the, on the video screen or whatever it is, when the, when the real dirty scenes, that's when I get up and get my popcorn. You're having fellowship with the un- communion, with the unfruitful works of partnership, with the unfruitful works of darkness, and uh, do not be deceived. It's, it'll corrupt you. It'll corrupt you. So, again, you got people trying to hibernate, run from everybody, stay away from everybody, won't talk to anybody, don't want to work here because there's unsaved people around me. Ridiculous. But then equally as ridiculous is the person over here thinks they can just do whatever they want and there's no such thing as sanctification for the child of God because Jesus forgave me of all my sins, past, present, and future. 
But it doesn't matter what sins I commit because I'm already forgiven. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of crazy thinking out there today, but it's all unbalanced. And we need to be balanced believers. Balanced believers, you know? So when the pastor does something like this, you know, and he, he sends out a text and makes provision so that certain people are watching live stream and the church is being disinfected and, you know, certain things we're doing to implement social distancing and all that kind of good stuff and we're just, we're just following those guidelines, a lot of Christians go, I don't understand this. I thought this was a faith church. This pastor gets up there, preaches faith about healing, and turns around and scares everybody. He's afraid. He's afraid. He's afraid of corona. You see what I'm saying? People, they don't understand. They don't understand. No, no. We use common sense. You know? God had established that under the law that if somebody had a leper, if somebody was a leper, they needed to stay away from people about 100 feet. That's social distance. That's more than six feet. 100 feet. 100 feet. You stay away. But how many people know Jesus violated social distancing laws time and time again? You know, I had some nincompoop. I mean, I heard somebody called himself a minister, but he said, would Jesus wear a mask? That was his question. Would Jesus wear a mask? And he believed, yes, Jesus would wear a mask. And, uh, Man, when I heard that, sometimes my spirit just gets really provoked. I said, well, gee, what would Jesus do? And I go to my Bible, and then the Holy Spirit just downloads. I don't have it with me. I need to, I need to preach that message to you sometime. What would Jesus do? I, I mean, he walked up to lepers and put his hands on them and said, be clean. Come on, don't, don't bring Jesus down to your level. Let's endeavor to come up to his level. Now, I'm not saying you're at his level, and if you're not at his level, which I don't mind telling you, you're not, if you're not at his level, don't try to act like you're on Jesus' level of faith. But at the same time, don't try to bring Jesus down to this carnal level that man is operating in. So in one sense, the Bible implemented these things under the Old Testament. Levitic, in, in the book of Leviticus, you see a lot of these kind of things. But at this quarantine, it's all there in the book of Leviticus. So it's, it's, it, it was a God thing before it was a man thing. So, so, you know, we see that, but yet at the same time, you come over to Jesus, and yeah, Jesus, he, he would violate those things because he walked in another level of faith, and our level is coming up, is it not? But Jesus didn't walk around. He didn't command everybody to violate the Old Testament, and that's what he's always being accused of. He's always being accused of teaching not to obey the law of Moses. He never taught anyone. He never told anyone not to obey the law of Moses. Jesus kept the law of Moses, but then again, he went to another level. He took it to another level. He took the word of God to another level. We don't want to confuse these things. He just, just never, ever said, we're done with the Old Testament. He didn't say that. In fact, he took it to the next level. He took everything to the next level. He said, you heard it was written in the Old Testament. You heard it was written. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, right? But I tell you, not even to resist a, an evil person. He said, he said, you've heard it said, you shall not commit a murder. But I say to you, if you have hatred in your heart towards someone, you're guilty of murder. You've heard it said, you should not commit adultery. He said, but if you have a lot, I say this to you. I'm not saying 
that's not true. I'm stepping it up another. I'll take it to the next level. If you lust in your heart, if you have lust in your heart towards a woman, you're guilty of adultery. So he didn't undo it in anything. He just took it to the next level. How do you know you and I need to go to the next level? Let's go to the next level. Let's go to the next level. So we understand there's natural guidelines, but then we understand also there are spiritual guidelines. We understand there are spiritual laws. We understand that there's devil. The world doesn't understand demons. We do. That doesn't do away with natural laws just because we understand demons. We, we understand natural laws. We heed the natural laws. We follow the natural mandates and regulations. We do those things, and we take authority over the devil. We cast out devils. We lay hands on the sick. We heal them. We get them to recover supernaturally by the power of God. See what I'm saying? It's a mixture. It's a balance. We need to understand the balance. Somebody say, I'm a balanced believer. And that makes me a blessing. Praise God. Don't you want to be a blessing? But in Matthew 8, in verse 4, Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one. This is a man who just got healed. Just got healed. Jesus said, See that you tell no one, but... Go your way, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Look at that. See, Jesus didn't throw out Moses. Jesus didn't throw out the book of Leviticus. How many people like reading the book of Leviticus? Just want to test your Christianity right now. Just, just want to see the level. All right, we need some work in here, folks. Not one hand came up. I said, how many people like the book of Leviticus? Not one hand came up. So we're going to do probably the next Sunday night class will be a study on the book of Leviticus. That wouldn't be bad. That could be a Wednesday nighter. Leviticus. Praise God. Had to examine a mole and had to, had to recognize if something's viral or something. It's all there. It's exciting, exciting stuff. It's a medical book is what it is. A lot of it's a medical book. But you see, it, it was the Levitical priesthood that, that, that was entrusted with that. The priesthood. See, they were the doctors of that day. God was training them as doctors. So they weren't just spiritual physicians. They were actually physical physicians. They had training in that from the, from the Spirit of God. And so here, he, he doesn't tell them to throw up. He tells them, he said, now listen. You know, people are going to find out about this, that you've been healed, obviously. But uh, what I want you to do is I don't want you to tell anybody about it. First thing, I want, you, I want you to go to the doctor. I want you to show yourself to the doctor. And uh, offer the offering. Bring that offering that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Testify to the doctor first. And you see, as a leper, because that was a leper that got healed here. As a leper, again, it was... It was the priests, the medical people, that had quarantined the lepers. So, so you have to, don't go run around telling people I'm healed. Don't go, I'm coming back to church. I'm coming back to church. God healed. No, 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 don't come back to church yet. Don't come, go get tested. Go to the doctor. Show yourself to the doctor. And let him say, you are clean of this plague. And then he will reinstate you into society again. 
there was a proper way for this man to be reinstated back into society. It wasn't just the leper needs to go out there and tell, look, I'm healed. Don't do that. Go to the doctor. Let the doctor say, this man is healed. Get it official. Get it official from the... Official? Jesus himself is official. Gotcha. But Jesus said, go to the priest. Jesus didn't say, yes, and go and tell everyone I did it. No, he said, go to the doctor and make sure the doctor says it's good. Wow. Do you see that? See, we're learning some things, I think, today. Matthew 17, verse 24. Here, Peter, he's... Kind of like some of you this morning, I think. Somebody comes to him and asks him, does your master pay the temple tax? And he's like, yes. But he wasn't sure. He really wasn't sure to say. So he just answers, yes. But then he was kind of walking around unsure about that. Huh, does he, are we supposed to pay the temple tax? Should we pay the temple But Jesus knows all things. Jesus knew his thoughts. And so Jesus helps Peter, and he says to him in Matthew, uh, Matthew 17, and in verse 24, he says, and when they had come in, verse, let's pick it up here, verse 25, and he said, yes, and when he had come into the house, Jesus anticipated him saying, what do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth take customs or taxes from their own sons? Or from strangers? Who, do the, who does the government tax? Who does the IRS tax? Peter said to him, from strangers. Jesus said to him, then the sons are free. Whoo, hallelujah, everybody. Close your Bibles right there. Bless God, I got news for, good news for you. We don't have to pay taxes anymore. <laughs> the sons are free. Free indeed. Somebody say, I'm free, I'm free. of paying taxes. No, don't say that. See, you can, you can run off with that, right? I'm free. I don't have to pay taxes. I don't have to listen to the, that, to the government. No, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, watch this. He said, yeah, that's true. You're free. The sons are free. Verse 27. Nevertheless, nevertheless, lest we offend them. I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm not worried about what anybody thinks about me. I just care about what God thinks about me. No, you're not talking right. You're not thinking right. You're not acting right. You're not doing the right thing. Notice what Jesus said. Jesus said, nevertheless, lest we offend. We don't want to offend them. You know, Proverbs says that a a brother offended is harder to win than a barred city. A city with bars all around it. You can't, you can't, you know, it's tough. Once they're offended, you can't do much for them. They won't listen to you anymore. So we're not deliberately trying to offend people. Now, Jesus did say at another place that blessed he is not offended because of me. I know that sometimes you can't, you can't avoid offense. People are going to get offended at Jesus. They're going to get offended at the gospel. They're going to get offended for all kinds of different reasons. But we don't need to go out of our way to offend them if we can avoid offending them. If we can avoid offending them, let's try to avoid offending them. Not compromising the word of God. Not lying. Not becoming something else other than what God told us to be. No, that's not what we're, gonna, that's what we're talking about. But at the same time, if we can avoid offending them, I mean, dear Lord, pay your taxes. Pay your taxes. Be squeaky clean. Let your books be squeaky clean. 
And you know what that's going to do for you? It's going to help your faith because if you have a good conscience and then they come and they demand, we want to see your taxes. They want to see your taxes. They want to see your taxes. And all this stuff. If, if, if you're squeaky clean, if you have a good conscience, you're not worried. You're not afraid. You're not afraid of people. That's how we need to be. That's how we need to be. Now, just because people come asking for something doesn't mean you give it to them either. Some things you have to say, I'm sorry, that's none of your business. Nevertheless, lest we offend them, go to the sea, cast in a hook, and take the fish that comes up first. And when you have opened its mouth, you will find a piece of money. Take that and give it to them for me and you. Let's go ahead and let's just take care of this right now. Let's just take care of this right now. And uh, Jesus had a way of taking care of it. I think it's interesting the way Jesus went ahead and took care of the tax money. I'm sure he could have said, go to the treasury and get the tax money and pay it. I'm sure it was in the treasury. Don't you think? It probably was in the treasury. But nevertheless, he told Peter to do it this way. Not because he didn't have the tax money, but because there was a lesson attached to it. Again, lest we offend. Peter, I'm making you a fisher of men. You're a fisher of men. We want to catch fish. We don't want to offend fish. We don't want to scare fish away. We don't want to do something that makes the fish run. We want to catch men. We want to bring men into the kingdom of God. Just like a fisherman catches fish. That's what we want to do. So he's saying we don't want to offend them. We want to be fishers of men. And as we are taking care of bringing fish into the boat, God will provide all our needs. The tax money will be there and you'll be able to take care of business. If you do things right, honorably and upright, with a concern for the lost, God will always fund you. He will always provide for you. He will always take care of you. Isn't that good news? Say this to me. Say, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. God lives in me. Holy Spirit, you live in me. You're working in my body. You cause everything. To work right. I trust you in this body of yours. This is your temple. Your house. Rule it. Work in it. Fix it. Make everything work right. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I am anointed. The Spirit of God is on me. No weapon formed against me will prosper. In Jesus' name, I am healthy. I am strong. I don't get sick. I don't get plagues. No plague will come near my dwelling. Not any plague will come near my dwelling. For he has given his angels charge over me to keep me in all my ways, in all my ways, I am kept from plagues. I've been redeemed from the curse of sickness and disease. My body will not malfunction, but it functions in the perfection in which God created it to function. I forbid any malfunction. Of this body, in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, you and I together, we forbid any malfunction of this body. I believe, and you work, 
and you're working in me now. I am healthy. I am strong. I am blessed. I am happy. I am holy. I am set apart for God. I am a balanced believer. Therefore, I'm a good receiver of everything God has promised me. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo, glory to God. Come on, give him a shout and stand on your feet with me this morning. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.